0: Welcome to the Good Rookie Show. My name is Fahim.
1: And my name is Nellie J, y'all. And we are Good Rookie. That's right. (laughs) What's going on, everybody? Happy Good Tuesday. And guess what? It's the Good Rookie Show.
0: Yep, yep. Yep.
1: Yep. As y'all know, we're your hosts coming live and direct <laughs> on a good Tuesday from Toronto, Canada. And as you know, we always bring you the hottest topics and guests. Fahim, please introduce who we got.
0: Nice. For all basketball lovers, brace yourself. We got someone who's definitely, uh, you know, 10 toes down in regards to a uh, ball, a lot to offer. Uh, definitely for the culture we'll be able to delve a little bit more into it let's welcome samson brew to the podcast today
1: samson, samson,
2: samson,
1: samson. what up samson mm-hmm. brew the song how are you doing brother <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm doing well how are you guys
1: I'm thank well. you guys for having me on your show for uh, sure samson what samson tell the folks where you are right now you know what i'm, I'm currently
2: in, in oxnard california
1: oxnard cal so where's oxnard california because you know in canada we know about L.A., uh, San Diego, right. uh, Sacramento, because they have, they have, like, you know, sport teams there. So right. where's Oxnard compared to, like, the other cities that, you know, most team people would know about?
2: So we lie right in the middle of... We're 40, 40 minutes away from Los Angeles. Uh, we're 40 minutes north, and then we're 40 minutes south of Santa Barbara. So we're, like, right in the mm-hmm. middle, right there on the coastline. It's a, it's a beautiful place.
1: I probably passed there, because when I was in L.A., I remember going to Santa Barbara... Uh, but I was living in Sherman Oaks, so that means I definitely passed it. But I didn't oh, even yeah. know Oxnard was there,
2: <laughs> it was he probably was just like this. Trust me, you you
0: passed it, you went right through it. <laughs> um, every so- every town or city is known for something. Is there anything that Oxnard is known for?
2: Oxnard, we are known. yes, we are known for actually hip hop. If you guys know who Madlib is, um, he's from here, Orig- he's originally Real- he's from Oxnard. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so hip-hop and then strawberries like the, our agriculture out here is some of the best um so yeah hip-hop and strawberries Hip hop nice. and
1: strawberries i feel like, that could be like and a stage name or something i don't know what kind of name i but <laughs> hip-hop strawberries <laughs> we gotta figure that out um but no i happen to have you in a podcast today faheem we got some hot topics so Fahim, so let's look at the first one going brother
0: all right so we've had in the nba they finally made their announcements for the NBA All-Defensive First and All-Defensive Second teams. Very interesting. So shout out to uh, everyone who's won. But uh, Nellie J, if you want to go through the list of the first team and also second team? Because I have some maybe uh, something to throw in in regards to the first and second team. So go ahead, Nellie J.
1: Absolutely. So let's talk about the first team. So as you know, with mm-hmm. the defensive teams, y'all, it's, uh, fo- it's a center, two forwards, and two guards, right? Uh, so I'm going to go from first team to second team. So for the center, we got Brooke Lopez, right, coming out of Milwaukee. This is his second time uh, being on an all-defensive team selection. Then we got the two forwards, Jaron Jackson Jr. No surprise there. He was Depoy and Evan Mobley his first time. We'll talk about that later. Um, the-, the guards, we got Drew Holiday, who also won, I think, Teammate of the Year. A new award uh, by the NBA announced today, and Alex Caruso out of Chicago. So there were two Milwaukee players. uh, Both of them didn't defend well in that first round, but hey, (laughs) here we are. Um, On the second team, we got the center, we got um, uh, Bam Adebayo out of Miami. Uh, Dylan Brooks was the guard, along with Derek White question mark question marks and we have Draymond green and og and a man from raptors the man himself from the uk's first time on it as a forward so on the defensive teams for him just so you know there were four players but their first time ever being selected on a defensive team so you got it
0: mm-hmm. um so samson uh let's go to you since we gave the list um okay. any thoughts that anything that jumps out to you that you want to discuss
2: um, so with the first team, actually with all different teams, I'm really not too mad at it at all. Um, obviously there's certain players we probably will talk about who we feel could have made the teams. Um, I do want to highlight Alex Caruso. I want to say he was top five in like deflections. Um, I want to say he might've been in the top 20 according to, um, oh my goodness, uh, like defensive rating, uh, which is very rare with guards. Um, if you look, most of them are big men. Uh, so, uh, to be honest, I wasn't too uh, mad at the the, the defensive teams. Uh, obviously, we can highlight certain people. I think, you know, Anthony Davis, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, we can highlight Jaden uh, McDaniels. Those type of players, um, you know, could show definitely love, too. Um, and I actually want to ask you guys a question, if that mm-hmm. was okay, should they add a third team to the all-defensive mm-hmm. instead of just having two teams? So, that's kind of my thoughts on all defensive teams. Yeah, well, I'll jump on that.
0: Uh, first, that's, I've never really thought of that, but that would make sense. I think there's a, a pool enough of players that you can make a strong case uh, to go 15 guys beat and say these are top 15 defensive players. Uh, because I'm not they, – they don't. well, okay, Nelly J, if you can actually look up, you know how they give the uh, the amount of first teams, the amount of second oh, I have team
1: votes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right so um,
0: mm-hmm. they go through the list, and I see some names on there that, you know, given the situation of maybe a little bit of politics or whatever, could have made that second team. So I think that's a very good point, actually. That's
1: Yeah, yeah I'm with that. How about you, I mean, Jane? So, like, who had the least amount of first, um, you know, ballot votes? Of course, Dylan Brooks. I don't even know how he made it. Um, let's be real. Um, his defense, <laughs> like, again, he's a Canadian no. boy. Happy for him. Alex Caruso, but, yes, he's a good defender. Can I jump but... in with Brooks
0: real quick, though? We can't let what happened in the playoffs affect what he did during well, the regular in the playoffs.
1: season. No, I mean, no, I watched him play. Because during the
0: regular defeat... season, there, yeah, there I... was something to do with, defle- like, was not deflection, but there was some kind of advanced defensive stat that he did fare well, well in, I did
1: see. Well, you let me know what that is, because what I oh. saw with my eyes, I was not, um, I was not, like, you know what I mean? I wasn't like, oh my God, look at that defense, right? Like, um, but hey, um, here we are, right? Um this guys, let's be real. Some of these players are well deserved. Other players I question Draymond Green, like Jimmy Butler, Giannis, I think are just always great defenders. So those guys uh definitely to be deserve to be on the list. Um, I don't think defensive teams should be positions anyway. I think she should be the five best defenders. Bam. I don't think should be based on actual position. So hopefully that gets taken away. But like I felt like uh, you know, definitely Mikhail Bridges. Jimmy Butler and Giannis all deserve to be on this list so does that mean we take away some guards take away some um positions cool I'm okay with that but those three should be on the, on the defensive teams and I think I'm not my with Evan because I know Evan like he had the best rating but he was playing with Jared Allen and like I right. think with defensive rating it also impacts team defense so if you have a really good team de- defense typically your defense also looks good That's why with defensive rating, it's kind of skewed because if your team is good defensively, a la Memphis, a la Milwaukee, a la Boston, everyone looks better. A la Derek White. So I would like to take away the positions and just put the five, the the best defender, the best five, regardless of position. On top of that, Nick Claxton got freaking snubbed. Like he won, I think he was a top three defensive player all year. And then when Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant left, everyone forgot about him. You know, so that's a biggest stub too. So those are four players that I'm naming that are better defenders than Derek White, Alex Caruso, bless his heart. You know what? I'm not mad at Alex Caruso, but I'll put him on a second team. First team, no. So I, I just feel like, you know, again, a, four guys were snubbed. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at this list either. I'm not upset that these guys got voted in. I'm just wondering if the market is is defining it. So if I'm in, um, and also location of these voters. So if I'm in, you know, the the Easter East Coast uh mostly, right? I'm watching most mostly East Coast games. So maybe you can impress me more. Whereas people in like Toronto, like OG, I was shocked he was selected because I know they don't they watch probably four national Toronto games a year, right? So I oh, think I that you. was more of like the the Raptor fans and people talking about how he stopped and defended a lot of the great offensive players this season. Uh, but even to OG, though remember me. he
0: did lead the league in steals. In steals.
1: And that's so why that's, right.
0: that's pretty notable. But, Go ahead.
1: Yes, but Fahim, to your point, I feel like if you didn't get that, then guess what, Fahim? who was number 2 on, on the most steals by, by point by 1.9 right, right below um OG Jimmy Butler right so how is Dylan Brooks or Draymond Green above him right it's just like it's just funny to me um because I saw Draymond Green's defense and yeah like no but anyway just my opinion um again (laughs) I'm not mad at this list I just think that there's I named four guys that are better defenders and they should have been on somewhere on this uh top I guess 10 players and take away four of them but you know Alex Cruz so I'm happy for him probably his first and last time ever having on this list is that gonna no it's not Alex? gonna
2: be his last time i don't know it's gonna so? be his last time no really? i do not think it'll be his last time like i said he's top five in deflections Semi, me especially with defense um you're able to get deflections get 50 50 balls like that stuff matters it's all but, like the little, the little things that we don't really see too much but and, and he's a dog i guess
1: it was top five in deflections last year that didn't get in fred van vliet you yeah. know what i'm saying so is it because you know what i'm saying it's like <laughs> to get on this on this name on this list it's always inconsistent samson right again i'm not mad like alex alex i think is a good defender all i'm saying is that every year there's a reason why people get on and why people don't get on but other guys with the same stats as last year did not get on this list feel me And so i guess so, my question my question mm-hmm. to you i have a
2: question because you said you, you're cool to go on position list so then, yes. Wouldn't it technically, wouldn't it more so be a lot? It would be a lot of big men then. You wouldn't, you'd rarely have any um, guards be on the on those first and second teams because, well, then again, if you're going off a defensive rating, a lot of times it's the big man that kind of get. Yeah, so how you know? about this?
1: How about them go off defensive rating? How about you watch them play and you look at how good they defend the ball? How about that? That's true. How about you nice. don't just rely on? Listen, steals, blocks. Those are stats you can You know what I mean. If you want to right. do offensive rebound, whatever you want to do, right? As whatever is a defender to you, right? But how about you watch them play defense and go, oh, this I like how he's moving. I like I like how he's defending. His hands are out. Like how about you watch them play defense and, and go about how they're actually defending guys in front of them? You know what I mean? Oh, that's just so my t- opinion, but hey, no,
0: that's fine. But when I think when you go off the eye test and solely off the eye test,
1: I'm not saying uh, solely because. I said, okay. um, I, I just said, like, there's this, this stats that you can look at, plus huh. you can watch. So I'm saying it has to be a bit of both. I think, to Samson's point, which is why well, he's correct, the folks who are voting are voting off of stats alone. And some of them yeah, are voting yeah. off of watching as well. I think we have to have a, a, a good mixture of both for him. That's my point, mm. not just one okay, stat. Okay, that's
0: fine. Yeah. Um, even with the defensive teams, not only is there, there's politics involved also. Um, the biggest one that I think about, I'll never get over it, was um, Mark Gasol. He won defensive player of the year, but he was an all NBA, all defensive second team.
2: team.
0: Yep. How do you win the award, but you're not on the first team? You know, uh, so there's absolutely no answer for that. So, uh, yeah, there is, you know, like everything, like you mentioned about team defense matters. Uh, you know, there's a lot of politics. uh into how they vote also and just the award itself but anyway um was
1: there anyone else for you guys um that you know that you felt that you were surprised they made the list anyone that you guys were shocked about
0: i was a little bit with Derek white but that's just not saying he's not deserving i just didn't really know enough about his i didn't watch enough boston um and i just even his career when he's in San Antonio, I never really pegged him as a defensive stopper. So it's maybe just it's an oversight on my part. I didn't I didn't really put enough respect in his name, I guess. So
2: I think with Derek White, I think guys went off, went off the numbers again. They didn't go off the eye test. Um, I want to say, he's, again, he's got these advanced metrics nowadays that people <laughs> go off of. And he's like, suppose he has the guard position. He's one of the best at contesting shots. So they, I want to say they put him in because of that. Like I said, there's these all these advanced metrics people are using. And I actually agree with you, Nelly. Mm-hmm. Like, go, watch these games. Watch the eye test. See how these guys are standing in front of guys. Actually, even listen to the players, too. A lot of the players would tell you themselves, and hey, this is a hard matchup for me tonight. So, I, you know, it'd be interesting go. to see it again. And then, Nelly, yeah. and then I was going to ask, cause, you know, obviously, Fahim kind of agreed. Do you think they should have a third team of no. all defense?
1: You know what? Um, if they go positionless, yes.
2: Okay, that's my answer. So
1: if they go okay. so that way like the guards that may not be on the first team, um the second or third team, then that's fine, but you know, um it's it like the metrics kind of hurt defensive uh players because when you're watching guys, you're seeing how good they're defending, they're stealing, how they're engaging, even disrupting a play. Yes, Eminem got the steal, but I disrupted your play, right? Like, I'm disrupting your offense, right? I'm getting charges or whatever you look at as a great defender, or I'm getting a spot before you are, right? I'm blocking shots. And um, another thing, Freddie was, I think, a top guard uh, shot blocker last year, too. So it's like, even Pat Beverly yeah. last year, I think as well, like, there's just so many guys. So that's why I think making it positionless, it gives everyone a chance to win who deserves it. And we're not just picking apart because I think defense, um, we, we don't really award defenders anymore. Like we don't really highlight good defense as much. And I think we have to go back to that. Like, I think <clears> that's <throat> something we're missing because people are averaging how many points a game now, right? And if you have a really good defender, like that can help your team way more, right? um Someone that can actually defend and, and actually suppress top guy especially a wing defender who can guard multiple positions that is that's why there's ogs the macao bridges are so unique uh jimmy butlers because they can drop points and defend your best player right so it's a lost art and i really hope the guys coming up uh are are actually trying to like you know honor that craft even the john t murray to me is a really good defender um that i think could have been considered for a list this year i think he has some really good numbers and steals as well so you know, it is what it is, though. But, yeah, I agree with the Perhaps. third defensive team. Uh, if it's all positionless, no problem.
0: Yeah, so Samson, I think third team, definitely.
1: But, no, Samson, great insight. Uh, defensive player t- uh, teams, you know, every year, I swear to every year whenever votes come out of these votes, there's always, like, you know, discussion around it. I mean, it's, it's hard to really get all defensive teams perfect because who, who's voting have different perspectives and, Criteria around why they picked this player. So Mm. I think we're always going to have issues with any type of defensive teams that the NBA puts out (laughs) in the
2: future. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right.
0: So, uh, Nellie J, you ready to go to For the Culture?
1: For the Culture. We like to highlight individuals for the culture. And today we get to highlight Samson Brew, the third, the third, who (laughs) is an assistant coach. (laughs) assistant coach as well as a host of he's a podcaster y'all the garage podcast you can um in the 805 you know what i'm saying 805 hoop 805 fashion 805 art and 805 culture so big up to your podcast but you're also assistant coach as well at Oxnard college men's basketball so first of all uh, samson i ask questions with all my guests um you know you have a very unique history though your father um, is also in basketball. He's yes. an actual scout for referees in the NBA. And he so is. you grew up, and we talk about referees all the time like, referees, referees, you know, Fred VanVleet, league cussed off a referee publicly. And, you know, it's interesting that you grew up like your dad's a referee. So you saw a different, um, you know, look onto it. So I guess your love for basketball and being, you know, um, entrenched in the game. Is it because of your dad's influence or was it something else that kind of made you want to be more involved in the sport as an adult, of course?
2: (laughs) Well, I think it was, I think it was two things. Um, Number one, obviously, yes, my dad uh, would take me everywhere with him. Um, Obviously you guys know about the infamous Drew league. Um, And I I remember vividly going on car rides with him when he would go ref in that league. It was actually at a middle school, Drew middle school uh, in Compton. So I, I remember those, those rides vividly. There was, uh, the Crenshaw League help, ran by Joe Weekly, So I got to see some of the best of the best in L.A. Uh, with my dad. Um, I used to get in, obviously, for free because he was refereeing the games. <laughs> um, so, like, obviously, the love for basketball, that's where it started there. And then... Um, I got uh, to ask, I got to ask.
0: Kobe went to the did he not? Yes, he did, right?
2: He did. And I want to say that was when it was at Washington Park. My dad did not ref on oh. that particular day. <laughs> um, but if you look, uh, I gotta give him a shout out. He ended up passing away. Uh Mr. Tony, uh there's a there's a sheriff officer who kind of was taking taking care of Kobe the whole time. Uh so I gotta give him a shout out. But yeah, I was at Washington Park. It was a dope, dope experience uh to be able to watch it not live, but seeing what it was like. So but yeah. Um but yeah, like I said, basketball mm-hmm. is in mm-hmm. my blood. So Yeah, I can
1: imagine, especially living in California, uh, entrenched in basketball. uh, I can imagine you just like falling in love with the game. Walk us through the aspect of coaching. I feel like it sounds tough, but also you have to really, really uh, like we talk about coaches right now, Toronto Raptors. were trying to hire a coach. I don't know if you heard this, but JJ Redick was interviewed and people were like, oh, he could be a good coach. There's many players that became player to coach and it's so easy. When you hear stuff like that, Samson, like how do you feel when people think just because you play basketball, it means you can coach basketball. Like, Walk us through that type of uh, you know, fans who think that way.
2: No, absolutely. No, I think it's, if we're going to just talk about J.J. real quick, I think he just understands players nowadays. I think that's one of the biggest things, um, understanding um, what it is to, you know, the workload that they're going to have to do, um, managing egos, working with different types of people, um, I think that's why, especially with JJ, people are so um, into him, particularly maybe coaching uh, at that level, at the NBA level. Because um, to me, again, these guys know how to play basketball. But I think when they talk about that, and he's like a, he's a player's coach, so to speak. I think that's what more so that what that's what they're talking about. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, just understanding what it takes, um, understanding the actual job itself, um, and I think that's what they're that's what they're more leaning towards when they talk about that type of stuff.
1: Okay, so a pl- I think having a player's coach is important. Mostly every MA team has players that were coaches, right? I'm sorry, I mean, players, I mean, coaches that are were players. So a lot of teams have, like, I'm seeing Cassell, I'm seeing, um, you know, like a lot of teams have, they had, you know, our boy Sotomayor on Boston for a while. So I think most teams have those guys as assistant coaches. But my issue is that coming from a player straight-to-head coaching, I think I'm not aligned there. So what's your thoughts on like a player going straight to head coach? Like do you think players who want to coach, which I think is fine, do you think there should be some type of pipeline to become a head coach for those type of players?
2: I mean, that uh that was tough. Um, just because uh like how you said, there's certain players that are that that are coaches now that are going through um obviously they have a, a whole program now helping kind of players acclimate to coaching. Mm-hmm. Um so have that type of stuff you know, you should try to help some of these players that have been working their tails off to get a head coaching job, um, uh, you know, help them get a head coaching job because they, they, yeah. they've been a coach. They've been part of the player development staff. They've worked their way through yeah. um, after the 20 days. Um, so, you know, I understand that. But it seems like sometimes some of these players may be connected. Maybe your star players connected with some of these uh players that just finished uh, playing and now it's their, you know, they want that particular um, uh, player who just retired to be the coach. I think about Brooklyn Nets. And I wonder if the relationship uh, KD had with Steve Nash when he was at the Warriors, I wonder if that played a factor in him getting hired in Brooklyn. So I think a lot of times it's relationships. Um, and like I said, it's, I kind of waffle on it. Like I said, I'm always pro player. So if we get more players coaching, like, man, that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. But, we're gonna have these programs in place uh to help these, you know, former players become coaches and you have them going through the ranks, going up. Um, and a lot of times, let's just be honest, man, they look like us mm-hmm. um that have to do all those programs and all of a sudden they're not hired. Yes. Um, so, um and I, say that I, I that's that's probably the biggest issue um that I see with it. But again, if you're gonna hire a player, man, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean I'm all about infusing new ideas, um, uh new thought. So uh like I said, that's why I kind of I'm okay with it, but also from the aspect of you're having people um uh I said enter these programs and become assistant coaches, uh, to hopefully become a head coach one day. That's kind of disingenuous a little bit. So that's kind of my thoughts on it.
1: No, no, that totally makes sense because I I, I'm also aligned with I want players to coach or be a part of the coaching staff. I think their experience is so invaluable. And if you don't you've never played in that, in that I call it like a fraternity of the NBA, you never played it you don't understand where what these guys are going through, especially in the modern day social media. That's why I think the old school coaches do not connect well with the newer players because they both come from different like worlds and lifestyle. Name tell me a few challenges you've had, or what's some challenge you have coaching players now in the social media world. Is it another element of managing like you I could I could imagine, right? But walk me through what that what that's been like coaching players now in the social media world where people are like, yo, if you're coach, you know, you're good at this. Like, walk me through that, bro.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's definitely tough. We I man, we get that all the time. Uh we try to tell our guys, you know, kind of say try to stay locked in. I get it. You're gonna they're gonna have social media nowadays. Um, but don't get caught up in the outside noise. Um, like I said we're the band of brothers. Uh, we're the coaches. We, uh, we're, we're in practice every single day. Obviously your, your family, your, I call social media followers, your fans, they, you know, they want to see you succeed. Uh, but man, again, you got to put the work in every day. And I think a lot of these players, um, from what I see, they'll post on social media. Like they have this crazy workout. They're doing this crazy stuff. A lot of times they not, they just put up a couple shots. They want to get the action shot put it on a social media page. And so they're not really putting in the work like they say they are. Um, and then again, you can kind of call them out on it because you just kind of know the kind of work ethic they have. Um, and like I said, they, these, these, the, and man, I hate to say kids cause I'm still young myself, but like, mm-hmm. I'm still like in that era where I didn't have social media right away. So I understood what it was to, to really bust your bar and really, really, you know, work for what you were trying to, uh, you know, what you're trying to earn, what you feel like you deserve. But seem like these kids nowadays just they just want the uh, instant gratification. Um, they want everything right away. They don't want to wait. It's like a microwave society almost mm-hmm. um, when it comes to Coopers. So uh, it's definitely definitely tough um, dealing with this right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I could only imagine having to deal with that, especially that. So you talked about player, talked about players becoming coaches. You're you're really an advocate of that. Nick gave me three things: a player, a past player needs to have to be successful in the coaching world? Like three things you think they got to do, whether it's like read a book, whatever you think it is, but what attributes do they have to have or learn prior to coaching these kids?
2: Well, obviously you have to, you have to know the game. Uh, That's probably the biggest one. Uh, So they'll they'll respect your knowledge. Uh, Number two, especially with this age, it seems like not that you're their friend, but they just want to let you care and you love them uh, before they even get that information from you. And then number three, again, it's the egos. Um, how do you manage uh dealing with this social media era from that standpoint? Um, do you manage their social media accounts? Do you tell them how to structure their social media? Cause to me too, um, one thing I try to tell our guys is that at the end of the day, your your Instagrams, your Twitters, that's that's just a social resume. So if you're if you're always promoting yourself with some crazy stuff, um, Man, you 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 you—that's your social resume where these coaches are looking at, and you kind of mess yourself up. So, kind of be professional in that standpoint. So, I think if the third thing, like I said, a coach understands that, portion number two, and making sure his guys are um, or girls are uh, managing that well too, so that way they they present themselves in a in a positive light, where these, um, in my case, where these college coaches uh, would come and and want them to be part of their programs, I think that's huge. So, those are my three things when it comes to uh from a player being uh into a coach
1: coach yeah those that's really good advice especially managing ego they think that's something that i think you have to learn how to do right uh learn how to deal with like pride and you know people have goodies and bad days right as players and how to manage that how to build confidence but not to a point where like they don't respect you so i definitely do like that and my last question before i pass it to uh, fahim what's your advice in dealing with parents like college parents? <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have to ask, because I hear about this all the time. What advice do you have any coach or someone who wants to coach in the future in dealing with actual parents of, right. of, of, of players? Yeah.
2: Um, so I also coach uh, AAU basketball as well. Um, I have a 13 U team. Uh, we're called rage elite. Um, and up, the up. Yeah. I have re- real athletes give everything um, when it comes to parents. Um, I found that man. Be honest with them. Like, be transparent with them. Um, they might not want to hear it, but they respect it. Um, I so far in in the JUCO, I really haven't dealt with too many parents when they come to junior college. But I can say with high school mm-hmm. and with 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 AAU basketball, again transparency. like most of the time, if you just keep it keep it all the way real with them, um, and just you know, kind of let them know about their kid. Obviously, they love their their child. They want to see their child succeed. But um, heck, you. I, I have an open door policy, but you can come watch practice, and you can see your kid is getting their butt whooped every day in practice. <laughs> so again, <laughs> um, again, have some realistic expectations for your kids. Yeah, um, obviously allow them to dream big, but again, you're you're in our practices, you're able to see it. And I'm big too on. There was a video that came out with Shane the Dribbling Machine, where that dad told his son, like, you know, put it up. Like, I have no problem with confrontation and, and telling parents, like, no, this. <laughs> no, don't tell your son that don't no. Let me do the coaching. You you provide support from home. And that's what it's all about, really. So uh, like I said, my my best advice right now, is just be transparent, be honest. And that's the best you can do.
1: Mm, yeah, I love that. I love that. Who man. Well, big up to you coaching <laughs> AAU, coaching college. It's really like it like I understand, like, you know, the game, but I think it takes a special type of person. To be able to coach, um, I think you're, I think like like you're like a psychologist, psychiatrist. You're also a, a mentor, a parent, somewhat like it's many hats that you're doing within coaching, um, and also a leader, right? They have to respect you, I think, and like you said, know that you care. So, yeah. no, no, really, really good stuff, man.
2: I appreciate. It. All
0: right, so Samson, let me hit you with uh, like a practical question here. So, uh, right now you're coaching, uh, as you know, with Coaches, you're managing uh, players. Like you could have a team. Uh, depending on what, depending on what coach a team can get, um, some things might be transferable. Meaning, you might have a specific skill that works with your team. But if you were to coach, say, uh, at a you know, at a college down down the road, different players, different personnel, different things. Is there anything particular? um, with your coaching style or any particular skill set that you might have in comparison to maybe other coaches in your, in your, uh, division that you feel that, um, is kind of specific to you, like something that you could actually apply on any team, anything that you bring or, um, that's special.
2: Right. different. that's actually a great question. I think with me, um, my ability to, to train, um, like that's kind of like my biggest asset that I bring, but then also like, man, it, it's, it's a game too. So we're gonna have fun uh, when we do our workouts. Like I, for me, I play music. Um, I play their music. Uh, I'm I'm more of an old school dude, but man, these kids—they like NBA, young boys. They whatever they want to listen to. <laughs> um, I, I let them do their thing. Um, uh, and like I said, I have a big. There's something that came out too um, on Twitter. I'm big on open door policy. Like. But we can put our work in. We can have some fun doing it. But once we're done with our work, man, you can come in and talk to me about anything. I think that's probably one of my biggest assets um, that I bring to the table. And uh, like I said, some of these kids they're cra- they're craving for that. They need that. Um, whether it be fatherly figure, brotherly figure, um, I would say that was probably one of my biggest assets that I bring to the table. Um, and I and I and I truly try to listen to them and hear them because, um, like I said, some of these kids are are struggling. Um, And so if I can kind of play that role for them and help them out in that way, that's probably, like I said, that's probably my biggest asset that I bring to the table.
0: Mm, Okay, so I want to hit you with a hypothetical one since you mentioned something that kind of triggers something, okay? (laughs) As you know, the Raptors have a vacancy for a head coaching spot. Um, Usually how it goes is if you're not like an established name already, um, like say, I'm just going to throw out, say a name that's maybe, say for instance, Steve Nash, for instance first time coach um, it's wise for Steve Nash being a first-time coach to have a, a, a more experienced team around him um so let's just say that you were uh, you know up for a candidacy for the Raptors right okay. and you know maybe people aren't familiar with your name um first thing I'm assuming you gonna do is you're going to get some experienced people around you sp- experienced assistant team so um I'm just wondering, with the skills that you already bring to the table, because you might not have the experience that these other guys have, but you do have, everyone has something unique they can bring to the table. If you were to coach uh, the Raptors, right? And you had an experienced team around you. um, Things, for instance, like the offense, would you hire somebody who has experience in the offense or would you be able to uh, think that you could be part of the offense?
2: Oh, is that well? No, going no, about, I was gonna go
0: through three different things. So we'll start okay. with the offense. What would you do hypothetically?
2: Okay, man, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I'm big on trying to get people that have been there already. So, like you said, you just talk about me. I'm coming from Oxford College to be in, in, with the Raptors. <laughs> um I'm I'm gonna hire a someone that's a veteran um that kind of understands offense in the NBA. Um, obviously I'm gonna try to learn as much as I can from them, but I'm going I'm big at with Leadership, you got to have servant leadership, so um, you have to let people be who they are, you have to let people uh, you have to delegate and you have to trust. So, I probably would, you know, within my uh scope of figuring out who I want to coach with, um, kind of just gauge their knowledge, and then again, uh, trust. I mean, that's one of the biggest things you can have, so I definitely would delegate um, offense. Hey, if you're gonna ask about defense, I'm gonna do the same exact thing. I'm gonna, gonna hire, hire, right. I'll, I'll hire a defensive coach, and then I'll probably hire. Um, with the player development, probably somebody a little bit younger. Actually, I'm not, I'm lying to you guys. I wouldn't hire somebody younger. Uh, Nelly, you know who I'd hire? Who? I'd hire Mark. Um, Mark? Mm-hmm, I'd hire I figured. Mark.
1: Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to
2: hire Mark. Um, so, shout out to Mark. Shout out to Sifu. Uh, GT man.
1: Away. The GT man, Mark. <laughs>
2: no, my best. In Diana. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the other two aspects. Uh, actually, so uh, let me throw you
0: this one. Uh, for instance, we one thing that this always kills me with coaching um calling a timeout, not really having a, a pulse on regards to momentum and how I'm going on a run, just even calling the timeout and some water in the situation can do that. Um, do you think that you would delegate something like that or would you be making
2: uh, that type of move? I would definitely make that type of call. Um, especially if they went on anywhere between six to eight points, man. I'm I'm calling timeout and try to try to settle our guys in, um, see what's going on, where the where the breakdown's happening at. Um, and like I said, just reset their mind uh mm-hmm. to what we've worked on, whether it be you know in practice and workouts and whatnot, and go back on the floor. But like a six day run, yeah, I'm I'm calling timeout. I'm yeah, I'm yeah, doing that. Right. Yeah, I know I'm doing that. All right. Last one is uh practices.
0: What type of practice would you run
2: with the squad man and that's interesting you say that um because I'm hearing more and more um, practices are a little bit more easier in the NBA yeah um, they
1: just shoot around I yeah, just shoot around. You know, yeah, legit yeah. that's what they are yeah
2: yeah so I mean I would try to kind of kind of mesh a little bit of the old school with the new school um I, I I'm big on these like these guys have to play basketball man that's what you do for a living you can't just have shoot arounds and then expect these high powered individuals to just go out there and just be full speed um and, and just ready to go. So our practices would resemble it. It might be shorter practices, uh, but with high intensity rather than longer shoot arounds. Um and obviously you'll you'll temper it depending on like if we got four and five nights on uh, some back to backs from whatnot. Um definitely would would would, would gauge it from there. But especially early on man, man, we're getting after it. I, I want to see who can compete. I want to see who wants to compete. And I kind of want to see these young guys, Um, see who we can, okay, you know, throughout the season, maybe we can sprinkle him, sprinkle him in, allow him to get more minutes, allow him to develop, which maybe uh, if we made the playoffs, he would be able to help us in the long run. So um, that would be it. That's interesting.
1: Nice. That's interesting. I have one more question to ask you, and then i want to talk about your podcast real quick. Um, When it comes to coaching, right, and this is one of my pet peeves, the Raptors, we had guys, Samson, uh, we had two guys in the top five most minutes played. I hate it. Right. Why do you think coaches, and I've heard different responses, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Why do you right. think some coaches like play players? I get it, it's to win, but right. can there not be a balance in trusting guys off the bench to get some in-game experience? Like, feel some coaches are like, I don't care about my young guys. I want to play my older guys. Cause I need to win tonight, but the other guys are kind of sulking on the bench. You know, some guys who get you know how it is. What's what's advice you have to coaches who need to learn how to balance a little bit of playing your veterans, but of course, giving the young guys some type of you know room to grow within the system.
2: No, absolutely. Um, I think too many times, um, coaches they all kind of overthink. Again, like you said, it's a it's a trust factor. So you got these veterans who you, you know, in the case of the Raptors. I'm pretty sure Nick Nurse, you know, just had relationships with some of these guys. So he just favored them more and just trusted them more on the floor. Um, but, man, it's, it's an 82-game season, man. Like, you you can't run these guys down. These Again, they're high-powered, and I hate saying the word machines, but they, these are some of the best athletes in the freaking world. You can't just run them down. Um, so, again, you can find ways, especially with an 82-game season, to get guys to develop guys. Um, and not just again if you're gonna have them up not in your G league roster they're going to be on the, on your roster at the NBA man sprinkle them in um let them let them get a taste of it um okay. I understand too you know it's a business at the same time so mm-hmm. you're trying to win games you're trying to not get fired um but heck we've seen in cases where coaches win coach of the year I think in Toronto and still get fired so two, two times <laughs> three times so, you know <laughs> I mean? I'm saying <laughs> so um you know I I, I definitely would just that's where I would go with it, man. Trust these young guys. Um, again, they're hungry. Uh and and I think sometimes you gotta put some a little fire into some of your veterans here and there sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. to make sure they just don't sit and you know, just and settle almost or kind of be like a fat cat. No, oh, man, I, I need you to I need you to wrap it up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put this guy in the fire with you and 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 hopefully that gets you like, man, okay, coaches. He sees this young guy, man. am, am I do I need to worry? Obviously they don't need to, but again just kind of put a little fire into the the tale. Mm,
1: I love that. I love that. And before we leave the, for the culture t- t- walk us through why you started your podcast. Um mm-hmm. what it's about and yeah. you know what's your goal with the podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I got you. So, how I started it uh it, it was with a group of friends. Uh we were actually in a garage. We used to do, you know, have a lot of <laughs> have a lot of fun back in the day a- in college. And I had to always said, man, I am like Man, I wanna I wanna replicate that what we what we had in college. So we always talked about sports, we talked about culture, we did all that. Um, but where I'm from there's a big void um in players getting exposure. Um and I feel like our area kind of is, is kind of disrespected in a way. So my whole thought process behind it was to create a podcast where I could then uh kind of highlight and talk about our players. Um one thing I do every year is I create a uh almost like a an email list or even like a, an email pamphlet, so to speak, with some of the best players on the women's side and the men's side um, that are in high school. And I'll share that with different colleges. So that way they um our area can kind of get looked at in a sense. And again, mm. not always going to be division one. Um, some of the kids, I, I, you know, D2, D3, NAIA, but I just want to help some of these kids um, get out. Obviously I want them to come to Oxnard College um, with us, but if I see a kid has, uh, you know, a decent talent. They have the size, the frame, and 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 I don't see nobody really helping them out. I'm I'm just gonna take the reins and try to help them out as best I can. Um so that's kind of where uh the garage pod started and and where I see it going, um man, I I kind of want to take the 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 model of like a ball of life or even a ball dogs. So I want to have an all-star game. Um and again just highlight my area. Like I said, I really want to put on for the 805 um like i said we have a a kind of a rich tradition over here uh, when it comes to sports especially football but basketball kind of gets overlooked so that's probably my biggest thing when it comes to the garage pod
1: well the garage podcast we're gonna have the link so you guys can tap in subscribe i know i will so definitely samson that. brew a lot of knowledge that you dropped in for the culture and this is why you're for the culture because uh, not uh, only are you doing things as a culture, you're also promoting the talent in your area and trying to put those guys helping them get recruited get the opportunity and i think for some kids that's all they need is someone to believe in them so big up to what you're doing in 805 <laughs> yeah,
2: it. It.
0: nice all right um so nelly J, why don't we close out uh this episode with that's absurd.
1: That's absurd. <laughs> but you, bro. what was absurd this week? What was absurd?
0: Huh. Samson, someone from your your end of the mm-hmm. nation. An Oakland A's announcer who calls games huh, took a trip to the Negro League Museum. And live on air, accidentally made. Well, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and say accidentally made a slip, but he (laughs) he actually had said, um, "We had a great time visiting the N word." Mm -hmm. So he used the N word live on air
1: with the hard er, the ER. Mm -hmm. the
0: hard er instead of the gro. League Museum, and so the Negro League Museum was uh, discredited by that. Live on air, I'm going with Absurd.
1: Absurd! Um, First of all, let's say his name for him. Forgot American Broad. His name is Glenn Allen Quipper, born May 20th, 1963. (laughs) His birthday will be next week. Let's say the man's name. He's an American sports broadcaster for the Oakland A's um yeah and he's a play by play announcer as well um mister mm-hmm. uh samson Brew the Third, uh nice. what's your thoughts on this <laughs> and did you oh, watch oh. the clip when you saw the audacity of him saying it and y'all if, when you hear him say him, it wasn't like you know he said it and he was like oops he just yeah. said it and was talking like it was like nothing like he per- he said it, it like he like- said it before he, uh clear, like it was like a actual, like the, the man did not even hiccup, not even a oh, but uh, nothing. So Samson, your thoughts because you're in Cali uh, when you saw yeah. this clip, how did you feel, Samson?
2: Um, obviously it's definitely absurd. Um, uh, <laughs> let me know if Fahim just put it, up, just just said it. What came to my mind is that that means you use it. Uh, I'll probably not like a regular basis, but that means you use it uh, at home or, or, or with the pop has of your friends. and right. you may feel about uh. <laughs> Baseball players that you may interact with in the organization. Um, so I thought about that, um, but I also thought about, I, you know, he was trying to big up. You know, he went to the, the Negro League Museum, and you know, then he obviously used the hard er. And it, it wasn't just him though; it was the co-host next to him. Like, yeah, man, yeah,
1: facts. He didn't like they forgot. Like, <laughs> like I was like, Dude, you don't know what's it's called? It's called the Negro. Like. Man.
2: <laughs> oh, Honestly. Yeah. That was I like I said it, it let me know, okay, this man uses he uses it on a regular basis almost. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not on a regular basis, but mm-hmm. be, yeah. that, be on also, air. So.
0: Also he's in Oakland and I know Oakland has a very large black population. Yes. So I mean it's just that's just not the look he's looking for, you know. No. At I at mean, the man's he-
1: from Wisconsin, right? Where's Wisconsin at? Like, how far is that from Oakland? Wisconsin? That's oh, pretty far. <laughs> as far as hell, right? So, like, <laughs> so he's definitely from yeah. Oakland. He's from Wisconsin, but he works for Oakland A's. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. like, I mean,
2: I so don't I was know. For 20 years, he's been there. Um, so, you know, suspended indefinitely right now. Um, oh, he said he's suspended.
1: Yeah, yeah indefinitely. Yeah. Oh, yep.
2: okay.
0: Indefinitely. Okay. I not know that. Okay. That must be developing. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. I'm surprised his apology wasn't enough. He usually that's how it works, right? Oh, I'm sorry. It's an accident, and then you know they get their job or they continue moving so let's, on,
1: right? So, so let me tell you what his um his apology was. Right. I'm big up to. I think I read on CBS, TMZ. It was everywhere. CNN. So he said a little earlier in the show, I said something didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to. I just wanted to apologize if it sounded different than. I meant it to be said. I just oh, want to apologize for that.
0: That's a lame what? apology. <laughs> lame. <laughs> Very lame. That's lame. the
1: worst theme. The pol- <laughs> oh, hold up. And then he said later, he said again, he said again, I could not be more sorry and horrified. And this is after. So his first apology was trash. Someone must have been like, yo, bro, that tra- that apology was trash. Then he said his second apology, the, the, the second come around, he said, um, I could not... I could not be more sorry and horrified by what I said. I hope you will accept my sincerest apologies. So apology A was trash. Apology <laughs> B, someone coached him to say it more PR friendly, right? Um, So it's just crazy to me. Um, It's crazy. It's unacceptable. It's disgusting. It's nasty work. You know, I talk about this Samson on this podcast, you know, old white men never shock me. So yes, it's absurd, but I'm not surprised because it's just something where we always have to deal with these types of like, oh, like, oh, I'm horrified. No, your first apology was like, I didn't mean it that way. Well, you said the ER, sir. The ER was said quite uh quite confidently. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think you meant it any different way, to be honest. But hey, what the hell do I know? But yeah, this this racial slur, I'm just happy that he's uh suspended indefinitely. It's um, absurd, absurd, and I'm, honestly, guys, just so you guys know, um, he'll be rehired again by the yeah. team by next year. So let, is what it is. Like, this is not going mm. to, th- he will get a job in, in baseball because baseball is a predominantly white game, white sport. So I'm going to assume he will get a job again um, for another team in the next year or so.
0: So I'll give Samson the last word, but I just wanted to say the, there was a study that uh, Black participation and viewership Um, is gradually with baseball being on the decline. Uh, Baseball, they've made a few changes this year in regards to rules to kind of spruce up the game, make it a little bit more exciting. No pitch clock, uh, shifting the infield, stuff like that. Um, But I think Major League Baseball, they got to step in and kind of clean this up because it's not a good look that you want uh, for the league. I'll end there. Samson, anything on the way out?
2: Um, Again, I was shocked by the co-host that was with him. And I want to know... What his thoughts are? Has he came out with something? Oh, uh, while we're here. But, but technically,
0: he I don't know if we can really hold the co-host. Okay, he's kind of well, like no. guilty by association because he didn't really no. say anything, and I don't know if it's his job on air to correct him.
2: You know, right? But Fahim, if you're next, if you're if you're next to him and you hear that, I I I'm not. We're on air. I'm gonna be like Fahim, like yo, what? What you say? Like not like not, not saying, but I'm gonna give that look, like it. Well, he's, okay. Like, you know what I, what I get you, but it just, but it's
0: kind of like remember Kanye when he said uh, during uh, Katrina and he's like George Bush does not like black people, and then Mike Myers was beside him, and Mike Myers was just like, huh? Like, and that's so- that,
2: but look, Mike Mike made like, oh, like, my man didn't make no facial expression, no nothing. Just <laughs> <Right>. he said <laughs> it, so- and he was like yeah, like. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let me tell y'all what the co-host said. His name was Dallas Braden, right? Braden, okay. Braden, I don't know. Oh, so what he said, he said, "My silence has been misrepresented." No, sir. Your silence <laughs> means that you are. <laughs> so that was his quote, because uh, he felt he, people had been blasting him too. Sam Samson, because okay. he was hella quiet, but he felt that uh, because he was quiet, to your point, point, um, and guys, just to be clear, okay. This guy, uh Frank Quipper, sorry, Glenn Quipper, forgot sorry, Frank, you know, another white, sorry, I <laughs> said Frank Glenn Quipper, because I want to forget his name after today. Glenn Quipper, um, he's not fired, y'all. He just suspended. That mm-hmm. means he's still on the payroll, still getting paid, but he has not been fired from his job. Just that the SYI. Yeah. Just suspended indefinitely. Oh. What that oh. means is they're gonna wait till everything calms down for him when mm-hmm. the next person messes up and then have him back on the air. For the Oakland A's in the next two, three months. We know baseball is a long season. So, right. The man is not, not fired. He's just suspended. That's it.
2: All right. Or is it sensitivity training. Sensitivity training. Oh, yeah. Um, right. They're going to do all that, you know, all that stuff with him. You know, that's what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. And you him, He'll be right back on there.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but Samson, it's thoughts absurd. on what the, um, him, him, saying his silence is misrepresented. What's your thoughts on the guy saying that? Like the guy beside him.
2: Um Man, I mean, braided, Mr. Brayden. I, I try to do my best not to curse, but that that's straight bullshit. Um, again, you're, I, I'm again, I'm, I rewatched the clip, rewatched the clip, rewatched the clip, and it's like, again, there was no reaction. Like I said, it, it whether it be with your eyes or just kind of a side eye, like, wait, what did what I just hear? It literally was my man was just shaking his head like, yeah. Oh, we had we, <laughs> we had barbecue. Yep.
1: <laughs> and you're right. He did not flinch. I watched it again, and he was like, mm-hmm, "Yeah, we, oh, we had a good time. Wonderful." Yep. Like Dallas Braden. Come on, man.
2: Dallas That's Braden,
1: Quipper, Quap. What how I say his last name. Um, I don't know, man. But I do want to end off with this for him. The president, Bob Kendrick, he did issue a statement on Twitter. He said, "I'm aware of the unfortunate slur made by Glenn Quipper. I welcomed Glenn to the." and lbm yesterday and know he was generally excited to be here the word is painful and has no place in our society and while i don't pretend to know glenn's heart i do know that my heart is one of forgiveness i hope all of you find it in yourself to do the same i'll think about it i'll think about it mr <laughs> uh, kendrick bob kendrick i'll think about it
0: but that all was
1: about right. a statement so hey
0: all right let's put this episode in the books
1: y'all that was the good rookie show so samson brew the third i said the third i have to say the third um let's give our guests a chance to do a shout out so the, so the floor is yours
2: Um, man first off i have two i want to give a shout out to you guys for the good rookies um obviously you guys do an amazing job i believe this is episode 143 yeah so you guys, you guys straight weeks this. by
0: the way straight weeks every week
1: straight no break no break
2: no break <laughs> 143 straight weeks man so, man, I gotta shout out you guys for the consistency um, uh, with the show. So, kudos to you guys. And let me just shout out. Um, there's a nonprofit organization where I live called Leaders of the New School. Um, they provide resources for um, student athletes, uh, whether it be uh, mental health training, actual uh, physical training when it comes to the different types of sports, and uh, academic uh, help and academic aid. So. I want to give them a shout out. Leaders of the school uh, out here in 805. Nice,
1: awesome. So my shout out is pretty to be simple. Samson Brew, love what you're doing. Love all of the uh, you know organ- oh, like the, the youth you're supporting. The 805 culture, enriching and educating us on what's happening in, over there. And coaching, like great advice today. I swear to you, like I learned a lot from your perspective. So thank you,
0: mm-hmm. Uh Samson, you interview well. I mean, uh, where you're at now is probably uh, that's not, I don't think that's the end of the road for you, Uh, definitely uh, the way you answer these questions, amazing so, uh, shout out to you, Uh, great having you on and uh, we'll have to have a repeat with this most definitely, on that note, I'll just put this episode in the books
1: y'all, that was a good rookie show, if you had a good time, you enjoyed yourself please like and subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend (laughs) we're
0: on all platforms if you're looking for us, that's a good rookie show, Samson, appreciate you man and we have. Thank you, thank you guys. <laughs>